September 19th, 2008. It's a lot from Pedro Show.
Robot from Pedro Show. Um, that was uh, John Coltrane with Naima, the fifth take, alternate take. And then we heard uh, Hitamari by Black Moth Super Rainbow. And we're in the Czech Republic in the big town Prague. Yeah. Uh, Stooge of Sax Man, Steve McKay, with me, and we have special guests. Yarda Sidaivi, otherwise yes. known as Arno. <laughs> Thank you. And yes, he's that's come me. to share some uh, life. Yes. Of music. Of music and fun. and uh, Spent some time with the plastic uh, people of the universe, but. At the time, I was doing uh, another band. They started being really. A big some of the members of the primitives group yeah. uh, become a members of the plastic people okay which you know they were oriented more in a different music and in that time you know I was doing uh, not the pop because you know I never like a really a pop but the <laughs> I think the 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 thing it was that I was becoming the uh, space cadet you could say uh, uh, we started I have to tell you the story we were talking earlier so let's go back to the like well, let's the, go back to you get to the, the music to the, how did you get into music oh oh this is that's that's interesting story I was madly in love with rock and roll soon as I heard uh, uh, Little Richard and uh, Fats Domino and Elvis Presley and you know, soon I, soon I, he, soon I heard King. You know, soon I heard actually, you know, uh, and all these other, you know, everybody, you name it. Of course, you know, old like rock and roll, old rock and roll. I mean, you know, it was like, okay, what did I want it to be before? Well, skip all that. <laughs> I want to get into rock and roll now. What can I do? How can I get into the rock and roll? So. Uh, so, well, you get some connections that you probably, because the, I know the one thing in that time, there was a rock and roll band already playing in Prague. So, you know, uh, there was... What rock, time is this about? This, you talking like 1962. And so, how old are you then? Uh, how old was I? Uh, well, now I'm 60, so that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but you weren't playing anything before that. It's like, yeah, 48 or so. I mean, you know, uh, no, absolutely nothing. You know, this is, this is yeah. my old build-up in a head that, you know, how to get into the rock and roll. Right. So I thought... I went to the different bands. I madly was in a band that was called Hell's Devils, which it was a really something very strange, but very original and very rock and roll. I mean, Hell's Devils was really, really, really good band. Prague band. Very Prague band and very underground band because whenever they play it, everything was destroyed. I mean, everything was destroyed. They took down the Lenin statues, you know, and, you know, it's like mostly you were playing in a places which it was like a, this conference hall for the uh, streets, you know, like, like, let's say like 10 blocks had like 
a one place that it was a public place uh, like a social club or right. something like that Community that service. you know uh, once a month they all from these 10 blocks or you know 12 blocks around they gather in that in place and uh, there were always some commies people you know they're talking you know how they have to make better the neighborhood and all that you know and uh, and who doesn't bad, you know, who does bad and sings, you know, and who should take care of his son that he's, you know, not good and, and blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, really brainwash kind of situation. But anyway. There's also uh, gigs there. This, in these places, you had PA. Ah. So, if you had a band, you play in a places like this. Because, you know, there were no other places. I mean, there were like a dance places, but those people, they were doing, sometimes they were doing rock and roll, but not so many. Only because the the kids were like so rowdy that, you know, they said, no, 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 we can't really permit this. So, you know, wow. it was, but anyway, to, I knew that there were a, a top solid, uh, need for the rehearsing for the bands and because I knew through my place that I know actually you know one of those uh, places with the gathering place right the social club so call it you know yeah. which it was like a headquarters of commies you know I mean for the block center you know whatever you call it so uh, I get this band I went to the manager who later on actually become the manager of the primitive group. And I went after him, you know, I told him, look, what does it take the guy like me to work for the rock and roll band like this? And he said, well, I tell you what, you get us a rehearsal place and you're going to be a roadie for the band. Ah. So I told him that I get the place. So I got the place and I got the actually the roadie gig. So when I was doing the roadie, the drummer of that band, you know, uh, because, you know, I was bashing always on the tables and stuff like that. And I even didn't notice that. But I was doing that. I got, he one day said, man, you should come by my place. And uh, I show you, you know, some how, you know, sticks, how to do that. You know, because you seem like doing pretty good. And maybe we can get some drums that I don't need. I have some leftovers, so maybe can mount something for you. Put a kit together. Yeah. Which, you know, he actually did. So, you know, I had, you know, big in sort of a drum kit, which I brought home, you know, which family was like, oh, my God, it's here. So anyway, I started after some time, I stopped practicing and I got really good. And I got even really that good that I played more and more practice, which the house hated it. The whole house, the whole street, everybody hated it. <laughs> And they were complaining all the time, which, funny enough, it changed when I become, as I told you, that I hated it, pop. I went to play with the band called Flamengo uh, and played a really a pop kind of a thing. The songs that they make it for the radio famous. Right. And when I started doing that, man, the attitude at the building and the street changed. All of a sudden, how is the boy doing? <laughs> and is he going to be practicing around? 
again, we can't wait, we missed it. All of a sudden, everything was completely different. Mom that used to wait on a line in a supermarket, and all of a sudden was on the top of it, of course. Ah. So, uh, but anyway, still, that was, a, that was like some time before it got tough. Because we did an album that is a classic till today. And after, I'm going a little bit further now. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm in 70, 70s. And uh, there we did the album called The Chicken in a Clock, which you heard, I think. And I have the, you know. Is this actually, Flamingo? Yeah. This is, this is the Flamingo. And uh, we. What was the primitives? The primitives was I'm getting to it. Okay. This is like you know my pop story. So anyway, okay. this is my drum beginning, right? Right. So you know, I'll back. I get back to the flamenco later. But now you know, go back. You know, so I was becoming playing drums. And one day, as I usual, walk with sticks in my back pocket of a jeans and a bunch of records. You know that I have a pretty good because you couldn't buy a records anywhere in Czech Republic. In those days, and it was banned completely. So the only way it was sort of like a a market, which it was be like you know a, a trade center. You know what I mean? And that was that would be like in different places that you will find few days before it happened, and it will be over always on Sunday <coughs> afternoon. And you will get there and you'll change the records or you will, you know, meet the famous people or, you know, the famous people, you know, will go there, you know, to get the records and stuff like that. You, you know, when I get famous later on, you know, I was going to the places like that and I got, you know, a lot of records that people, you know, lend me. Right. And, uh, you know, I just get them back. But, but anyway, it was kind of underground. I mean, it, was, it, was, it was not possible to just have right. a record store. Everything there, it was like either... Hungarian, Polish, or the Russian, you know, all the Warsaw Pact, you know, yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a communism, so the, no Beatles, no nothing, no records, What about no radio? Radio absolutely blocked, there was <laughs> only one radio station, there was a Radio Luxembourg, in that days, and then in those days, uh, it was the only place that you could actually listen to real music, the real rock and roll, it came off and on, But mostly went on when you had the good reception. Good radio means good radio and good antenna. So you get that. That's But the other they used the humming. Ah, to block it, yeah. Right. Jamming. Same yeah. totally jammed. They 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 jammed the, the, the everything that was coming from Germany. For example, you could only see the show in the near border of Germany. West Germany on that on these days that there was a beat club call it you know a show that you had a place you know a bands bands playing live and you had like early you know uh, Jethro Tull and you had like you know Stones and you had like you know everything but it was what like you know and it come to Germany so it played on that show and you could get it only around the border because furthermore it was again jammed. So you couldn't get it anywhere else. So uh, uh, I start walking on the street. A guy stopped me and said, Hey, uh, I'm planning to put the band together. 
I said, yeah, okay. I said, uh, you play drums? I played. I said, yeah, I play drums. He said, all right, well, let, we have this place here. So I went to some place. It was like a room, rehearsal room. And uh, there was a bunch of guys, and uh, there was a drums, which uh, was a bass drum, snare, and hi-hat. <coughs> and I sing cymbal. That was no it. Drums. No drums. Yeah. And I... Just learn Vully Bully. <laughs> I just learned Vully Bully. And I was on Sam it Deschamps. so good. Right? Yeah, Sam Desham. <laughs> so uh, I just was so on it. And, uh, you know, and they just applied. I guess, you know, uh, they said, like, well, what, what do you know? And I said, well, do you know the Vully Bully, for example? They said, well, you, you know Vully Bully? I said, yeah, of course. So let's play it. So we played that. Soon as we did that, I was a member. <coughs> then, you know, we had a band. So, you know, we said, all right, uh, call ourselves Primitive. And uh, we were calling ourselves just the Primitive for a long, long time till the day that I went again and meet this manager that I started it, the whole thing with how to get into the when you were music business for the devil, yeah, for the hell's devils, hell's devils. people, eh? yeah. So the I knew that he was phenomenal. You know, a brain, and uh, what was his name? His name is uh, Eugene Fiala, and Evgen uh, <clears throat> in the Czech, actually. But anyway, he was really, really, really really a brain so anyway I went after him because you know the band was disbanded you know the Hell's Devils yeah. he was you know uh, for some you know uh, he had problems a lot of he couldn't do anything but anyway I came to him and I said look I have this band but you know I have to tell you the one a greatest story is that one day with this band we played and we got very famous because we got songs that was very or a very either was a cover <coughs> songs but it was like Boris the Spider wow, yeah. from the Who right, which you know everybody loves it here because it was about the Russian Boris and <laughs> Boris the Spider it was instant hit I mean no, you know there's a band from Japan now called Boris it's yeah good yeah uh, could yeah well you know it comes things, from a Melvin song right 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 <laughs> anyway so these you know it's like the songs like this we got pretty soon we will become very very famous and then one day uh, that was there were two singers on the beginning and uh, I had one bass player in the hand Actually, you know, it was in my back of my head that I wanted to bring him, you know, to play with in somewhere and would be this band, but it, I couldn't because brother of the second singer was playing bass. So anyway, one day we played, and that was a famous thing. It was a nearby the Army uh, Military Airport, Gabali. Uh, doesn't matter. It's a part of the Prague, very famous. And we got there uh, engagement for playing every Sunday, it was the the tea party, call it. It's a dance party. 
which is from 3 o'clock in the afternoon till 6 o'clock. You play three sets, 45 minutes, each 15 minutes for that. And we got that place, ran it for about, I don't know, till they stop us, till they put us in a jail. I think it was like six months, maybe even that long. And, you know, there was the story. It was that, wow, how we got stopped at the... Also, the audience, it got so drunk, amazingly, in these three hours that one day you have to take the bus to get into the trams. Because, you know, from into that place, you know, the airport, you have it was out the prom. So even those, those fans, and really uh, over 1,000 people used to come, 800,000 people used to come, and they drove buses, so they put extra line at that Sunday. <coughs> and then the drivers refused to drive because they puke everywhere. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah, I understand that. And, you know, they, they would scream to stop the bus that they have to all take a leak and stuff like that. You know, I mean, it was horrifying. You know, I mean, you know, the, for the drive, bus driver must be like, but anyway, here we were, young, rowdy, yeah. rock and roll. And anyway, on the, one of these shows, actually... Uh, some girl painted our lead singer Ivan's his name is Ivan uh, painted his face with like skull and and flower and and stuff like that and we talking this is like 1965 about and uh, all of a sudden <coughs> he at the second set appear at the show an audience with the painted face the audience completely flipped out and since that we start painted our faces all the time different ways and we got people around the primitive group that was the really people very 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 People later on that they were working with plastic people actually. Ah. <clears throat> Those were really artists. And they did things like, for example, uh, anyway, after these shows, we decided that we're gonna have to let go the one of the singer and the bass player, his brother. And I finally brought this friend of mine, Pavel, who actually died not long ago, but the uh, you know, I hope you know he's gonna feel better now. And uh, he was the greatest guy. We got you know since that since that minute. And then also I brought another guitar player, which uh, with two those two guys, Zdenek. Uh, with these two new guys, we become absolute smashing hit, and everybody went after us. Are you recording or are you just doing gigs? We were not allowed to do record anything for anybody because there was no communist company that would issue any of our record. They actually, they hate us so much. But anyway, there were always some people that actually did against all the wills and, you know, for even with the view that a knownless, knownly actually, no, you know, <laughs> did the shows that they knew that, that some after that somebody's going to come and say, well, you have a problem. And uh, they still did it. Anyway, we did this 
show, which it was uh, one of them, famous was a bird feast, which we celebrate the bird feast. Uh, the way what we did, this is all the ideas of this manager. He had the phenomenal idea. And we had, we had the audience, it was uh, Allen Ginsberg came to the, a lot of them. Really? He's seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He, we got. You know, actually, the on the on the issue of the Rolling Stone magazine that jo- Janis Joplin died, and that issue there is inside the picture of our bass player and our band with the flames around. <laughs> so uh, I remember that because it's in that issue, which is you know sadly you know anyway. But we got into and uh, we got. Just because of you know people like Ginsburg, because uh, uh, they really love the painting and the psychedelic. They we start call it ourselves a psychedelic band, and we actually the manager first thing that he did. I have to definitely that's important thing from the primitive. In a minute that he took that he said we're gonna change the name. We're gonna get primitive is good, but it's not meaning. We're gonna get big. Let's get. Let's name it Primitive Group. And Primitive Group, no. Let's make it Primitives Group. Let's make the Primitives Group. Yeah, the Primitives Group. That's the name. That's what we're gonna go. So all of a sudden we were the Primitives Group, and uh, it went. You know, in the book, you know, we went as the 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 only psychedelic band in those days. We Did were the only them? one. There was there was no other. Did you hear Western psychedelic bands like Rocky Erickson or? No, we didn't oh, okay. at all. Did you guys eat L? We. Did you have LSD? Oh yeah, because you know the Czech Republic, actually Czechoslovakia in those days, yeah, Czechoslovakia, they made, uh, they made LSD twenty four. That's originated from here, yeah. and that's <coughs> where the sugar cubes are because we were dumping because you have it in in the. Glass in the valve, so you cut it with the plate of you know actually you know with with the nail uh, file. Yeah, with a nail file. You just I lost some of it, man. You know some English. It's it's I'm losing it after all these years. Uh, so with the nail file, you know you chop it and then you drop the drops on the sugar cubes. So that was actually how we did the acid times. Wow, and uh, those were the days because uh, we had that. We had all other things, you know. We had pretty much a lot of everything. We didn't have any wheat or any any of the these things. We didn't get involved till I actually first time I smoked. I think you know, in '68, it was my first time that some American GIs who was visiting Prague. <laughs> came with some hash and I smoke hash with mixture with the tobacco god I got since then I said okay this is the stuff I'll be on be on and uh, so I was like another thing uh, uh, dropped me and actually you know I didn't become an alcoholic because I would have because a lot of Czechs would you know did become and had a lot of problem because mm. alcohol in this country in that time it was like I mean, the best beer, Pilsner Urkel, it was like for one crown twenty. In those days, I mean, 
it was nothing. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have much, you know, like the pay a monthly, it was like maybe thousand crowns or something like that. Maybe, I don't even remember it anymore, but I know the apartment was like 150, maybe 200. Or, you know, it was a funny prices, you know. I mean, you know, you went, you were to the restaurant and ate, you know, for, you know, four or five crowns. I mean, you know, 10 crowns for a big meal. I mean, it was, it was like real big. <laughs> you know, to spend 10 crowns, I mean, you were drunk like a dog. Yeah. You know? And uh, so those were the days. And, you know, everybody, all the kids, it was like into the alcohol and alcohol and a booze. Or a, you, you know, you could, you know, I mean, <laughs> since you were probably like, you know, off the milk bottle, you know, I think, you know, the next thing you suck on was a bottle of a beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, this country is raised on beer. I mean, you know, we consume probably more beer than anybody else in the world. Home of Budweiser. Yeah, so anyway, back to the to the primitive group. So yeah. uh, we become really, really successful and we become really big pain. I mean, we did this bird feast. So, the idea of the manager, it was, okay, we're going to get some birds. So, <laughs> there was these lunatics running everywhere in the parks and uh, gathering whatever could fly, right? So, the smart birds, the small birds are smart birds. They usually, you know, it's like, so they, you know, they, they got pigeons, you know, mostly, right? So... Uh, they brought that and uh, they let it fly. Then we had in this display, like window displays that usually you put like advertisement, you know, it's like seen through window, right? right. And uh, it's like, you know, uh, sort of a box. Right. But it's box, you know, to, you know, what about the foot, maybe? Right? 18 inches about. Yeah. Something like that. And wow. imagine into that, we squeeze a girl naked, and then they wrap her into the uh, honey. Honey? Right. And then into the feathers. And feathers. Right. They bust a bunch of pillows and got the goose feathers and all that feathers. Any feather you can find, you know, every feather you can find. So they wrap put it on the paper and then just she rolled over until she, you could you you could see her but it wasn't naked so we put those two girls sitting in each side man the people flipped out just from this <laughs> and uh, then we like let the birds you know fly then we played you know then they pumped then they throw actually some pillow feathers on the people from a balcony. Oh, God, that was like nightmare. Uh, that was everywhere. And then we did also another one, which was called Fe Fish Feast, which was the fish celebration. And uh, we celebrated the, I guess, the ocean and the water and everything. So we call it a fish feast. And that was also his idea. In this time... The we ocean had, in Czech. Yeah. In this time, <laughs> we had a much, much much more difficult show which involved and two huge uh, lights search lights I mean 
You talking about searchlights for the airplanes? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. From the Second World War, because in that time we didn't have any big lights, so they found some kind of <coughs> those huge lights and they put it on each side of this huge Lucerna Hall on each side of the stadium. Then they put an a plastic seen through in the front of the stage. And then they let us sit through on a month that this took a month is a month is of preparation. Also was involved a mate uh, your replica of your face, which they of course put the white stuff plaster plaster on your yeah. face, right? And That's then you nice. got two tubes coming out of the so nose right that you can breathe and uh, some jokers at that time for example pull out them you know say hey, hey you're gonna play or not all right and they put it back <laughs> you know so uh, things like that but anyways you have to wait it's choice but anyway they made uh, and uh, faces like us painted gold and hang on the plastic guitars and everything and make a statues paint in gold and with the like it looks like us right it's right. there replicas right and before they actually that was all in dark only this huge two searchlight was humming popping the lights like strobing like strobe light not that fast but that was going into the audience into the darkness And then uh, noises from the PA was playing the screams and all kind of a stuff like really panic sirens and all kind of everything, you know, <laughs> fire engines, you know, all police cars, everything, anything that make weird things. Now, then the show started... This stopped them. Naturally, the, the blinking continues. Still, still, actually, the strobing continue. And then, all of a sudden, the lead singer appeared. When with the lights, he made with a torch that he had made and uh, cut through the plastic. And the plastic, when it's heat and, and you know, right, with right. the lights, it was spectacular scene. Anyway, when that happened, he disappeared with that torch. The plastic still there. This is still in darkness with only that strobe, the, the lights. And all of a sudden, the lights went on as the normal lights. And then at the same time, they let explode our heads. They put... Oh, the plaster heads. Yeah. yeah. They, they put explosive up. enough strong that that will literally explode then they dropped the net from the balcony start pouring the water from the hydrant and drop the bunch of live fish on them <laughs> and into that panic we played you won't believe it what kind of a situation was going on god i never seen I and mean, you know this, those 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 shows were really and then everywhere flames lights i mean There were more flames. We had more firefighters always, you know, around us when we played gig 
that it was like nobody wanted anything. You know, what I mean, no, we no, that band, no, no, they're gonna burn the place, no. <laughs> but uh, so we got stopped by the government, and right after that, went the plastic people of the universe. What? Oh, what kind of equipment were you playing? Uh, I played uh, Czech. We played Czech equipment. Okay. Well, I'm just wondering. <laughs> Czech guitars. Czech, Czech amps. Made, Czech drums. Czech drums. What were yes. they called? Uh, they made by the state and the government. Yeah, uh, Amati. 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 <laughs> That's what was the the Amati was the actually the name of the drums, and they actually makes also the woodwinds and the brass instruments. Were they good? Were they like Ludwig's? They were terrible. Well, they were terrible. They were terrible. <laughs> okay. They were terrible. They were worst <laughs> things you can possibly imagine. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, you know, we couldn't get hands on anything. You know, so sure, uh, sure. I'm just curious. Uh, How'd you get around? We just how we get around? Yeah, Skoda vans was there. Uh, station wagon? different, different. But uh, mainly it was like reg- regular, you know, things. You know, like regular automobiles. You know, regular cars. You know that you know. Few times we drove. You know, Maybe four, you know trips. ten people. You know, helped. You know, and. Uh, Equipment were in those days not that big because you know you couldn't get any big equipment, right? right. right? So uh, usually it was a home home homemade two speakers. You know, bass player had like one or two fifteens, right? right. And uh, some kind of amplifier that was you know available in here. There were some company that they made them. Uh, it was a communist com- company, but. They knew that, you know, the music is happening and, you know, people were buying it, so they were making it. But you and couldn't get Fenders, you couldn't no get No way. That didn't exist. Nothing okay. like that exists. There were only, like, I think, two or three drum sets. And, you know, uh, after, you know, this band, you know, when I got later on, you know, I, I brought, I actually, I bought from the Miroslav's Vitus. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, from his brother, from <clears throat> Alan. From Alan, I bought a premier drum set, yeah. uh, the English. And since that was like everything phenomenal. And you know, one day at the festival that we played in Prague in '69, <coughs> they only <coughs> want everybody played the Czech instruments made specially for the rock and roll. And I seen the drum set and I said, yeah, I can play this because I will destroy that. It's a toy. <laughs> and the guy laughed at me. And I said, I'm telling you. And he said, no, this is the law. Either you play that or you don't play. So I said, okay, it's you the boss. So I played it. Of course, first song came. And I broke the one of the terms. Not just broke them, but it busted the piece of the bass drum. The wood broke off so that fell off then <laughs> then the symbol sort of fell off in my one hit but the whole stand got smashed then the bass drum pedal busted completely then I went through the snare <laughs> and then I played only hi hat. the first song. <laughs> then I played the only the hi hat, and it was pieces sticking out of the cymbal. 
and the stand it was looking like something you can shoot arrows out <laughs> and the guy after I was done with it I mean we talked three songs after I, I was done with it <laughs> yeah. after I was done with it I told him I said see what I mean and he was standing and he said oh god oh god those were our, our best oh man I wish you had recordings of this. What were the jams? Well, like? you know, uh, the you know there are some. You know, maybe there are not recordings. There, there, there are. You know, we search. There may be one or two <coughs> recordings available that's possible that someone has of primitive group. Maybe I'll be able to collect that and send it. But I already did since you know uh, Steve called me since that I was looking for everything I could put a hands on. Well, how would you uh, describe it then, the uh, jams, the songs? The songs? I mean, you know, they were very good players. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were very, very, very good players. I mean, it's the music, it, it's very, real, real good. I mean... Uh, it was obviously kind of driving if you're busting up the drums like that. Right, yeah, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, we played in those days, we played, you know, things like... You it wasn't know, like mellow jams. So. No, no, no. We played really like, you know, uh, the soul, the James Brown uh-huh. And God, you know, uh, uh, I got you. Da, ba, 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 ba. You can't play that thing like shoop, 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 shoop. No, man, you have to whip it. Boy, and I whip it. And uh, that was it. So that did it. Also, you know, that I had that offbeat thing going, you know, because, you know, when you got that, there's a bass drum goes off. Man, when I did that, I learned that, boy, man, I was the best. I was so good. doing music for a living. Did you have a side job? No, 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 no. Now, you were telling me something about these papers you had to carry. Well, the thing is that, you know, you had... Uh, identification card which it was actually like a book a little red book <laughs> which it got your recent picture you couldn't have the for example picture when you have a longer hairs because they would take you and cut your hairs they did it to whole Prague in 1965 or 60 yeah I think 66 uh, they Everybody got free haircuts. <laughs> Everybody got free haircuts, and they, you know, listen to this. You were walking on the street. You were walking on the street. It doesn't matter who you were with. There will be a car, police stop. Have a door open. They will grab you, stuck you in the car, and you will be going downtown to this gymnasium, which it was like hundreds and hundreds of long hair guys that cheer you up. Hey! And the situation it was that you went to check up through the doctor, right? They check on you if you have any, you know, diseases, you know, and then of course comes your hair and, you know, he goes like, oh yeah, freeze lice, shave. So, we got all haircuts, man. Government haircuts. I mean, it was like amazing, and they literally did the whole prank like that. They, I, I know still guy, his name is a Chicha. Uh, it's it's actually a slang for the kitty cat. And uh, this guy actually had the, one of the longest hairs, and him and his friend survived it. That his friend worked in a hospital because you know you see 
everybody, nobody wants to work for Kami. So, you know, we actually work the jobs like, you know, I, when they put me in a jail, they disband the band, for example. I mean, the primitive group, they disband the flamenco, they disband all kind of things, you know. So they, you know, you're going to get a job. So I get a job. First, I tried to be a... Um, flower guy didn't work that was too 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 sick so then i drove this little electric car in this huge factory where they assembled at locomotives you know electric uh so they have the the rotors and all that you know for the engine so you know you're driving parts on the electric car from the part of the company you know actually you know it's it's it was a huge complex it was a one of the biggest biggest you know uh, factory in right. prague existing and i was driving this little electric car but the thing is that you have to be in the factory six o'clock in the morning right. and when you got a gig and you got sleep at four o'clock six o'clock you look like zombie but i have to definitely say on the czech people on behalf of Czech people, that they were phenomenal, that at the time that I did that job, that they did, for example, let me go get the car at the place they recharge it, because it's electric car, they recharge it overnight, I picked it up, drove into assembly line, where, you know, I would be, you know, put the thing on and start driving, you know, the whole, that eight hours of work. And, uh, from that minute that I actually, that was 15, 20 minutes after 6 o'clock, I would be in assembly line and they would take me into uh, the, uh, you got the, the locksmiths, you know, and you got the, actually, you know, uh, the blacksmiths and all these, you know, people, you know, actually, you know, who do, you know, the, the engineerings, you know, for the, you know, uh, assemble the machine yeah. shop yeah, you know and do it you know so yeah. you know that's machine shop so uh, they made in one of their working tables which is you know how it's like the working table like you know in a in a, in a back you know in your garage you know, so <coughs> that inside that they put the mattress blanket and pillow i would come lay in there and sleep till 9 30 when it was a break at the factory it was a first break then you got a lunch there was a uh, two breaks that you haven't do in a day and uh, after that break I'll be all got up I'll eat and I'll start driving the regular oh thing God. which it also include the things that you could easily say for example my car is busted which it would be like you take the two cables and you just get the batteries completely dry. All right. And then you just sit in and wait for two hours smoking <laughs> cigarettes, man, you know, and, and looking around. <laughs> or, you know, uh, you park it nearby a pub and you go and drink a beer because you know it's going to take them two to three hours to come and do something. Either, you know, the cables back. <laughs> I to, to tow you back or, you know, just, you know, put, put some kind of recharge or whatever. I mean, it was, it was like that happening. But you can do it all the time. You know, you can do it like twice a week. Yeah, possible. I did it more than that. 
Then they got rid of me. And then, you know, of course, you know... Oh, because this book also said where you worked. Right, because you have to get only... There was, I think it was week or 10 days in between the employee stamp because you got the one the day that you start employment and the date you finish the employment. From the date of finish of employment, right. you have week to 10 days to find another job or you become an actually an uh, uh, public enemy <laughs> you will become you know that somebody actually doing something for you what you should be doing for yourself you couldn't have anyone like that right right you know for example you would do write a symphony and you will have a sponsor for that as you know you, or you will have a grant Right. right, that will be the normal procedure. Here you couldn't have that, unless you were like the Kami writer, and then then yeah, they, that's possible. They find some money for you, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah but if you were your own, you were absolutely in a deep, because you never no no absolutely no way of out. You're up shit creek. Yes, shit <laughs> you're really yeah, in deep shit creek. Yes, absolutely. You're really in deep. So what'd you do about that? Uh well, you know, caught you with it longer, 10, 12, you get put in jail? Well, you see, it's, it's like always it was like for the time being, you know, you were like, you know, in the cells, you know, that they tried to make you sign papers that you actually were the guy, you know, you, that done that, you know, something that you will commit. Ah, uh, confession. You know, some kind of commission, yeah, confession. And uh, I never confessed on anything because why should I confess on anything? So they did let me go because, uh, and, you know, I mean, plastic people later on, they got really long sentences. But, you know, we're talking already a time that I was gone because uh, I couldn't get it anymore because, you know, uh, being like, you know, uh, crazy put into the jobs that you know it is really crazy and not to be able to do nothing you know and then constantly have you know threat over you I mean you know yeah. for example the last band I had it was like just before my escaping of 1973 the last band I had the band was called Energy I actually brought you a CD oh, cool. and uh, one of them it's it's there is a live version which is the the whole version and you know we got people like we got thousands of people we got audiences that we got a thing so messed up for us that for example we would play this place for about i don't know 1200 people and uh, there was a glass door the entry door and they would just they they just walked through that door. I mean, you know, the people were like, there were more and more of them behind that glass until the first oh. one were actually pushed into oh, it. Man. And the things like that, you know, it was happening in all our concerts. You know, I mean... This is early was, 70s? Uh, this is late 70s. Oh. I mean, you know, in our shows, it, this was going on all the time. Yeah. I mean, in, in my shows, you in my events... You 73, you escaped? yes. This, 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 what I'm talking, those are shows in 73 in particular. This band, I energy. Mean, and the, the energy. And uh, 
That band was loved by everybody but hated by the government so much that you won't believe it. Now, you have to have and the papers as an artist to you know to obtain these papers you have to have actually this qualification right and there is the bunch of old farts a uh, bunch of old farts sitting in there and try to give you all questions of the theory of the communists and every every other kind of, you know it's 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 a nightmare but uh, yeah, but can we stop this because we have to go? Yeah, this is getting. Oh, ah, yeah, there's no problem. <clears throat> yeah, but you know, let's. We we just back for a minute and we'll continue. Thanks, Yeah, because you know, I'll I know this. You know, I'll remember this.
was You're Not Blank, so Baby We're Through by The Dills. And before that, we had Templates from Home. I had the Go Team with the Bambongo Tribe. And, um, uh, well, it's actually now the next day. <laughs> We're coming up to the end of the first hour of the September 19, 2008, Watt from Pedro Show. Uh, Back with Yarda and uh, his spiel on uh, qualifications. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so we left it on. Well, not yet. We we got to get into hour two. So right, hold so tight. September nineteenth, two thousand eight. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show, and we got a uh, Yarda Sadivi. Yes, indeed. Here, uh, Mr. Steve McKay. Hey. We're at yes. the, uh, hey, hey. What is this uh, Royal Crown? No, oh, Crown Royal. Crown Plaza. Crown Plaza. Crown Plaza. Hotel Castle. Although it's not a castle, but it's called that here in Prague. Yeah, because it's near Castle. It's near the castle. That's, yes. So, well, people get weird ideas about people <laughs> playing music. You, know, you stay in castles, right? <laughs> Sometimes we do. <laughs> I'm playing in a castle in Italy. Um, but uh, it's actually the next day. It's um, September 20th because uh, we had to stop the recording yesterday to go to a gig. Uh, what, what was the name of that town? The town is Cernositza. Oh, uh, here goes the Felicia's again. Cernositza. Okay. How, do, how do you spell uh, that? Cernositza, it's C-E-R-N-O-S-I-C-E. Okay. Cernositza. Yeah, and it's a, like, a, I guess you'd call it almost a suburb of Prague. It wasn't that far out. What, what a half hour? Yeah. Yeah, it's about 20 minutes. And it's... And I, <laughs> your leash is tugging on you. I'll call you later. <laughs> so okay. um, we get out there, and there's a, a Soko Hall, which kind of blew my mind because I've played Soko Hall. You know, I thought, I didn't know it was a, a Czech term. It was a, it was a theater. I got you know, <laughs> Soko. It's, it's actually, you know... An organization is a sport organization that it's, you know, since the uh, 20th, 20s, 1920s, something like that, or yeah. maybe even earlier, it's been established in Czech Republic, and it's been like uh, gymnastic and all sports, actually, all sports kind of, you know, place where they have the uh, basketball hall, you right. know, there they got a building where, you know, do do all sport, you know, things, you know, whatever it is. And it's called Sokol. <laughs> so what happened was the Czech cats who emigrated over probably started their own Sokol halls there. And, you know, especially in the older punk days, we played a lot of ethnic halls. They would rent them out cheap. They didn't have prejudice against different kinds of music. So Ukrainian hall, Polish hall, Italian-American club, you know... VFW Halls, Moose Lodge, yeah, all yeah, these yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. things. More than the rock and roll clubs, because uh, the rock and roll clubs kind of didn't yeah. very much <laughs> not take punk. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> so we were playing a lot of those. Anyway, this place used to be a, th- a cinema, right? A theater. Yes, it used to be a cinema. And it was great. It had a brand new JBL system, great yeah, sound wonderful sound, uh, great the band audience. that opened up had a, a surgeon singing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was he's, his name? He's uh, he's the uh, Zdenek Hribal. It's, it's Hribal, actually. You know that's what his name. But he's a chief surgeon of the uh, Motol 
hospital of the uh, kids unit. Right. And he does the yeah. He's very very. <laughs> does open heart surgery. Yeah 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 yeah. He does you know all the surgeries. That's actually a surgeon. You know I mean you know that's the guy who did you know uh, like yeah. And uh, he is the lead singer of the band. Yeah. What were they called? They call the white disease. White disease. Which is, right. I think, you know, it's like... Is it <laughs> English or do they use uh, slap, uh, Czech? Bilanemots. That's what they're called. That's, that's what's the name. Bilanemots, which is Bilanemots. a white disease. White right. disease. Okay. Oh, yeah. Belgrade, white city. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what their name means. Yeah, it was a trip for me hearing all those sounds because the Stooges ain't a lot in Eastern Europe. Right. Or it went over in Europe or in the western part. But in my town, Pedro, I'm hearing the Slav all the time, so last night it was like being home. <laughs> yeah? It was yeah, it was a trip to hear that all night. I, I really liked it. Right? And after White Disease was... Um, uh, did you have a name for that last night? It's an OMDB, I'm calling it. But it was an on-the-spot, actually, name, uh, which is... On-the-spot. Yeah, it's called... Okay. A, uh, and it on the spot say, was Yard on the Drums. Over my... <laughs> over my dead, dead body. body. <laughs> <laughs> it was Yard on Drums, Steve on sax, uh, Julie... Uh, uh, Julie Goobel. Goobel on yeah, the sax on the and sax. keyboard and singing. And uh, Tony was doing... on the bass. And Tony was doing the bass. Right, yeah. right. So they... Uh, <clears throat> was basically improvisation... Right. Yeah, and the only really one good. song she sung, you know, that That's that right. was pretty impressive, actually. You know, she's got pretty good voice, which yeah, I yeah. didn't know. And then she played keyboards. Which she, she just was, asked her to, right? She yeah. didn't know that was coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just like, you know, hey, do, do something. You know what I mean? And she just like, she haven't played piano, actually, for 20 years or something like that. You know, she's, you know, I mean, you know, she started as the... You know, on age of seven or eight or something oh, like piano, that. You know, right. very early. You know, pianist, and uh, all of a sudden she stopped playing really. But she was like, she's seen you, so she was more into like you know doing saxophone than the keyboards. You know, oh, it was okay. like you know Steve was there. Yeah, you know there was I mean? points <laughs> over. She did both, and she was so happy, man. Like you know, she was like taking a, a t big hits, and taking totally a big grabs of your knowledge. You know. It's, oh yeah, yeah. That was really, really <laughs> for for that was a trip. Tony was playing really good too. I, I liked yes. him a lot. So it was a good gig. It was a good. Well, time. you played some too, towards Yeah, the played you some. played pretty good. <laughs> you were out of your mind. It was great. <laughs> well, many pivots. <laughs> uh, yeah, you yeah, definitely. And Mota. <laughs> we all did pretty good. Yeah. Oh man, had to that take the fifth thing. string off. Oh, that was that was that. That everybody has to know that you know. All of a sudden, there is Mike, in the middle of the song, it start ripping the fifth string. The low, you know, the, the the low B is coming out, and I mean, it's coming out. It goes like uh, the strap was too high, so I had to sit on the amp. Yeah, A little amp. <coughs> then he sat on the amp. Oh God. Yeah. Nightmare. No, but anyway. Yesterday we were talking about uh, getting a music qualification. Right, right. Going back uh, to the 70s, right? Right, 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 right. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we end up about, uh, you know, these old farts sitting in there that you go in through the qualification. And uh, it's, you know, about uh, qualification for a, being able to play music. You know, they qualify you and give you 
a possibility to have a state-run agency. You can get yourself a manager who will actually find for yourself a job or a gigs, you know, to play. And uh, if the commies agree with your way, that's what the qualifications were all about, you know, then you have the permission to actually be written in that uh, identification card where you got those stamps employed right. and unemployed. You have written a freelance <coughs> employee. You know, I mean, freelance musician. Right. So, you so know, you're not illegal. So, you know, I had, you know, many times I went, you know, and many people of this, of our branch, you come into the uh, problems with the cops when they stop us. We didn't have any of the stamps on the pages. We were empty pages and they were like. But you said you knew some of the cops who busted you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they were doing it. This is like, you know, I mean, they did it. For reason, because I had a long hair, you know, the guys who had long hairs, you know, I'm living in a one corner and being like on the next corner is the supermarket. I wake up every morning and went there to get me a fresh rose, you know, some whatever, you know, breakfast stuff, you know, and, and you know, there's a cop standing on the corner. I'm coming in your identification card and I'm going like, hey, um, uh, you know, check name Milan, you know, like, <laughs> Uh, did you know me? And I was like, I've been living over there for years, for God's sake. Identification card. So I didn't have that. So I, they take me to the car, right? In my things, you know, that I'm going just around the corner, you know, I'm not dressed, you know, to go in into the city. They drive me into the police station, you know, and my mom and my dad, you know, would have to, somebody would have to come and bring the identification card and then they let me go. And that's happened many times. Same as like, you know, it's, you know, like anybody who had the freelance musician, you know, they were like, why don't you have a stamp? And, you know, I always like told them like, look, can you imagine if I have a stamp, if I have a 30 gigs a month? Because we did have that money. And uh, so stamp for every gig. So I said, that will be first employed at eight o'clock and unemployed at 1030. All right, and then the next day I'll be, you know, at uh, 50 miles away from another town, employed and unemployed. I mean, isn't that stupid? I said, you would give me a, you would have to give me a book about this big. <laughs> you know, I mean, for the, you know, I mean, you say that this, you know, that's actually, you know, the, 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 the identification, you know, book, it was, you know, five years. And, uh, you know, uh, you know how many stamps I would collect in five years in this? I mean, you know, are you crazy? So finally they drop on that. But in, in many occasions we got busted and we got in trouble until somebody with uh, more, you know, stars on that, and, you know, a little higher position will come and say, all right, you stupid. Yeah, that's true, you know, I mean... <laughs> But, you know, the discussion before that, you know, and all the, you know, everything, it will take forever, you know what I mean? They will check on this, they will check on that, and they will don't like the hairs, and why don't you have a hairs, you know, same length now? And I would go like, you know, because, you know, I don't know how much they long every month. I mean, should I measure it and then cut it or what? You know what I mean? You know, it's long enough that you can see. So you look like the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you, for example, cut your hair, you know, you have to get immediately a new one. 
right? Was a new picture. So you got the new picture. Okay, you got a new picture. Then, you know, you grow the hairs. And soon as, you know, the hairs start covering your ears, you know, it would be like, ah, you can't do that. You know, so you're back again, get another one, applying with the long hair, right? In this time again, right? Then you got the long hair, you know, that, you know, and then it took, oh, God. They didn't, some of the places, they didn't want to take your picture with the long hair. They said, no, you're looking very nice. I cut like that. You know, go back and cut your hairs again. <laughs> and things like that. So anyway, this qualification, you know, it was all about hairs too. That's why I'm talking about it. Because, you know, we did have a long hair, for example. And uh, we are real in this qualification, you know, which was a, you know, a really a table with these people that they give you a questions about nothing to do with what you actually doing. It was the about the Russian composers, you know, it was about the blah, blah, blah. It was about this, you know, it was about the classical blah, blah, blah. And you playing rock and roll, man. You, 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 you start doing, you know, sort of like a punkish, you know, psychedelic things. And, you know, you're supposed to know that. Then uh, we always have one guy in the band who had some musical knowledge, you know, because he was either kicked out of the music school or conservatory or whatever. So, uh, uh, like Juilliard or something like that. So all of a sudden, uh, he would be the guy who would be a spokesman and he was the leader of the band, right? So he goes, you know, read notes, you know, has the, you know, all the knowledge about the Russian composers and blah, blah, blah. And then we go on a stage and play. Now, you look like a monkey because you got a loose monkey suit, three piece, right? You got a tie, you know what I mean? And then you can't wear the hat because if you wear the hat, it would be easy to stick the hat under, right? No problem. But no, that they knew that. So no hair, no hats around. <laughs> So then the only thing, a girlfriend of ours worked on us and put the hairs in back and under the, under the shirt. And then you, you know, really tied it up with the tie. And then you actually worked like a rubber. Because, you know, anytime you would turn just the head, the hair will pop up. So you have to move your body and talk like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then on a stage standing still straight, you know what I mean? And as a drummer, you know, not moving anything, you know what I mean? No, like any, any, anything, you know, it's like literally like, you know, I thought, you know, that we were actually at this place that we were first Devo. I would think, you know, it, it really looked like, you know, I mean, you know, a bunch of robots playing, you know, a really pop, stupid song that has no idea and no clue. We didn't even know. We learned that song because we had to. And uh, they, you know, I just say, okay, well, you know, you get the qualification one or two or three. All right. If you had a one, you have a really light little money, you know, two, you have a little more money and a three, you know, you get like about 300 check crowns a gig, you know, which it was pretty good. And uh, so we had, I think, you know, the, you know, the primitives, you know, the primitives group, you know, basically we never did disqualification because first of all, we wouldn't be able to do that. Because none of us knew anything. <laughs> what do they ask us? We tried twice. And every time they threw us out, in first moment, we, we, we said, no, we will first play and then we will talk to you. They said, no, that's not like we do it. And they said, we don't care. So they just throw us out because, you know, they said, nah, we don't want to talk to. 
And uh, the other times, you know, no one knows anything. And then finally, our manager, who was actually a very qualified musician, uh, he, for some reason, and somehow through an agency, got us under the, uh, you know, it's like uh, entertainment theater agency which it includes like a comedians and a flamethrowers and all kind of, you know, all kind of, you yeah. know, it's, it's based like art, circus or whatever. Barville. Yeah, that's <laughs> what exactly what it was. And we got under that agency without any, you know, any of this qualification, you know, done it. And uh, we have, we, we was able to actually live pretty quiet for quite a while I think you know for a few years until they finished the band that was it because the flames and the fish fees that did it and uh, right oh, that, that, that was that so you know after you know all these you know uh, I we, we did you know the qualification the second time you know just before I escaped we were doing with the energy and energy is very loved band so we did you know this What's the hairs? Right, you got it. And there's a two CDs in it. Okay. In a pack. One is a live one, the whole show live. Okay. Yeah. From the concert of this, like you know, I told you that you know. What, they, are the, what were these two songs? The two songs they are recorded actually, you know, in a little studio. Uh, actually, it was a, a in a Strahov. This here is a college. What year? Uh, in 1972. Wow. Yeah. You, you you were able to record. Yes, well, we did it actually, believe it or not, but we did it on my Sony uh, two-track tape deck and uh, a little board, which uh, I think it was a five, maybe, or six channels, channels. channels, and plugged it stereo in, and we played, you know, these songs, and actually, you know, it sounds pretty okay for yeah, the... Let's play one right There's now. no mix, and there is nothing, you know what I mean? Absolutely, there is absolutely just right. like... Let's play one right now. All right.
Juan from Pedro Show. Uh, that was Energit with yes. Blue Dance. Blue Dance. And uh, 1972, uh, you're on the drums. Yeah, I'm on the drums. Uh, there is a guitarist, uh, Lubos Anders. Then it's uh, Ivan Kunt. <laughs> Uh, on the lead singing, and uh, he's he's a great vocalist. And uh, there's on the bass, it's uh, Lada Padrune. Uh, so those, these are actually people, you know, on the energy. And uh, as I told you, you know, those are the stiff guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we went through the, uh, the, the qualification, we got the highest, and we actually, you know, did, you know, a bunch of gigs, you know, until they really bust us, you know, uh, really bad, bad, bad. But, you know, uh, uh, the thing is like, you know, you got on the, the other CD, that's the concert from that music hall that I told you that they bust the windows and all right. that and stuff, you know. And uh, it sounds like a, actually you are... A, and a soccer concert, actually a soccer game, you know, yeah, like yeah. something like that. Or the, you know, it's it's really like they the, the people just loved it. And then in the end of that, uh, the cops came and and stopped the show. Right. And the people doesn't want to leave, so they were like, "Oh man, no, no, no!" And they start, you know, destroying the thing. So I had to go on a stage. And calm them down, you know, it's like, please, they will put us in a jail, you know, it's not about this, you know, I mean, you know, do you want us, you know, them to stop, you know, so finally they quiet down, and it was okay, but it was the first kind of a burn, you know, in in the, you know, energy story, because, you know, so soon, you know, later on, for example, we played out the Prague and uh, outside the Prague concert, and, uh, uh, of course, came truckload of people by the train. So when it, cause the show was finished, uh, it was around midnight when everything, you know, we got it all together, you know, we got, you know, transportation, but the rest of the people, of course, want to take a train, and there was no stop, there was only the fast train passing by, because this station, you know, it was only for a daytime <laughs> operation, you know. Right, right. So, uh, uh, they lied on the trucks, and they stopped the fast train, and they bored the train. And it was next morning we got you know uh, people from the secret police <laughs> pick us up all, and you know it was all these discussions, and you know why do you do that, and you know blah blah blah. We didn't know anything about it. We find it from them, you know. <laughs> But uh, this, you know, was going more and more until, you know, the moment that we had no place absolutely to play and I decided I have to get out of here. And uh, that moment I had a girlfriend, which she was in Copenhagen, Denmark, and uh, she made actually non-existing exhibition of the old drum and brass instruments. Uh, and that I had like printed posters from her from Copenhagen send it to me. Uh, and uh, I had uh, people that I had the passport worked out through them and I obtained the passport with the four days permission actually to see that exhibition. To be a photographer. Right, to be a photographer. And, you know, uh, so I 
Although there's really no exhibition. I never took a picture in my life. Actually, I start uh, making the pictures in Copenhagen. It was funny. I did it for a year and then I dropped dead on that one. But uh, I never did any. I never had the camera. So no. this was like, you know, actually. It was just you know, a, a trick to get the, Yeah, absolutely. It was totally, you know, like, you know, to, to make believe that I am something, you know, that I'm not. I mean, you know, and then, you know, it was like. Do I'm gonna take the route through the East Germany, or do I gonna take the route directly to the West Germany border, which was the hardest one to go because you know that was like oh nightmare, and then go to through East Germany, which was even worse nightmare because East German, though there you got the Czech control and the East German control, and then you get when you go in on the boat to Denmark, you get another German control, you know, so that was like. Too much for me, so I decided I'm gonna take a plane. Fly. Yeah, take a just flight to, to Copenhagen. So I bought a ticket and uh, because I couldn't really announce that I'm leaving the Republic, I couldn't tell anyone. So actually my family didn't know till the very, very day that you know I let them know that I'm going and I'm not coming back. And my mom was the greatest. Uh she said Yeah, I knew this is what's coming. <laughs> I knew um, it's good luck. Poor lady died when I was in exile, but you know, tell you the truth, uh, she was my biggest fan, you know, and they called her rock and roll mom, and she had, you know, a, a hair, you know, when we played, she had, you know, her special place, you know, a balcony, that she was in the in this hall when we played she rock. Yeah, when we played this Lucerna Hall, you know, she was sitting there and the spotlight always went there, you know, and then the guy who was announcing the show, and hey, here's Erno's mom, you know, the rock and roll mom, because, you know, she's she was doing things like, uh, like very, you know, she actually feeds so many musicians. Does she you know. call you Erno? Uh, Erno is a yardist nickname. Yes, and, I mean, you know... Tell how you got that name. Uh, this has come from the movie that uh, calls, you know, the thief. And he was the... Mickey Rooney played that movie. And it was about a bank... It was about a locksmith uh, who becomes accidentally bank robber. That, you know, it's dragged into this thing. And it's a really funniest comedy, you know, that this, you know, a whole Prague loved it. And the guy who plays the Mickey Rooney, his name's Erno. So, uh, because he looked like me, and we looked very much like it, the next day, everybody was calling me Erno. <laughs> and I got... Actually, you know, that name stayed with me for all the times. Even today, no one else knows me as a yarder because, you know, uh, and I even got into the fights that I was, you know, called that, you know, I'm imposter and all kind of things and I'm trying to pretend to be Erno and all that, you know, and I, and I was like, oh, okay, all right, never mind. <laughs> Just don't beat me for my own name. Sorry, I was born. But, what you know, year, this, what year do you make the flight? Uh, the 1973. Uh, the actually the uh, date was the 10th of September. Wow, you just had the anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Last week. Yep. So you fly to Copenhagen. I flew to Copenhagen. And you make it through the I control. went through the border. I present all the 
documents and everything they look through oh, my yeah, eyes and everything yeah 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 they want you go through the one place to another one to a third room there's a three rooms and there's a different people looking at your eyes direct you know and you have to like they they study you if you know what 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 the hell are you you know what i mean so uh i went through all that board the plane flew out right came to copenhagen enjoyed the life and uh Immediately, I just take a basically, you know, I, I forgot about the checks. I wrote it on an embassy. I wrote this letter that I still have it even safe somewhere that I hate communism in any which ways. <laughs> And I can't come back to the country that I hate. I will only be able to come back when they will be gone. So... Uh, Uh that promise I actually did because you know I came back not even after you know they took over and and get the the Czech Republic and the split up also the Czechoslovakia yeah. you know I came first time you know with you know a life after life which was the band under Jello Biafra Right What um, did you do right away in Copenhagen In Copenhagen music Yes I did start playing with the Burning Red Ivanhoe it was the a uh, local danish band in those days you know it was a uh, very very popular so i played with these people and i got a gig right away how'd you meet them just uh, went to a club and yeah yeah they that's that's what it was i uh, my think it was that <laughs> i did it in san francisco too for the uh albert collins uh wow you know i all of a sudden you know in in some point when it was a break i would sit I would climb up on the stage and sit by the drums and start playing and and when I did that they started playing with me that was with Albert for example he was tuning up the guitar and I climbed in it was a little place it was a blue moon cafe and it was uh it was Francisco yeah, street yeah it 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 was it was a like really really nice small place and he was playing there and uh The musicians went off the stage, and it was like about this step, you know, the stage. And uh, Albert was like doing the tuning, and uh, I decided this is my chance. So I just passed by him, and he was like looking at me, who's that? And I sat by drums and just started playing. And he stopped, stopped tuning and started playing. And he goes to microphone, starts singing, and starts screaming, hey, the rest of the guys, come on and play. Wow. No, so I play. You're back to Copenhagen. You did this to the Red. No, no, no. no. This, 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 this is in America. In oh, Copenhagen, okay. you know, I want you know. Let's go back to Copenhagen. Yeah. Well, you know, when I went, did you, you know, speak Danish? No, I don't think English? you know. You are capable of, of you know. <laughs> I, it's it's a language that. But a lot of them know English. Were you speaking English? Yeah, then? yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Where'd you learn in school? Well, not really. You know, I didn't know much of anything. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I learned chat. English basically from television in the U.S. later. Uh, but yeah, but I, I did. But out of the country, I'm just wondering how was it to survive without? Speaking? It was, it was tough. It was really <laughs> tough. It was hands and every movement, body move, and then you know all kind of you know then you know it was a mishmash. Some of German, some of Danish, and some English. Okay. So you know, with uh, that, you know, I you get in the band. I get in the band, you know, because uh, uh, went to the music store. While I was in the music store, I tried. There was a 
brand new Ludwig drums. So I tried. It was a red one. I tried them. And while I was trying them, in the store was the guy who was the leader of this band. And he goes, man, you're playing pretty good. And I say, yeah. And he goes, where are you from? Because, you know, I did, you know, we were, you know, he also spoke little, little English. So, you know, basically that was like really blah, 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 what, what, yeah. And I, you know, tried to explain him that I just escaped, you know, I'm from, you know, actually, you know, the communism, you know, I'm brand new. This was like my first days and uh, looking for to do something. And I hope, you know, to get the, because, you know, music, it's my life. And, and he goes like, yeah, well, you know, come to the rehearsal. And I said, well, I have nothing to rehearse on. And he goes, well, why don't we take these drums that you just, you know, uh, was trying on? And uh, and I said, well, you know, I can't buy them, you know. And he goes like, well, you know, I got them. Yeah, I don't have to buy them because we are like, you know, we actually own this store. <laughs> wow. So uh, you will have them sitting at the right as a place, which, you know, I came in, you know, the next day, and there was that drum set. So we stopped playing, and we played around. Is that the first time you ever played a Ludwig set? No, no, no. I had, with energy, I have oh. a Ludwig set in here. Because, okay. you know... Uh, no more Tommy? We had, you know, yeah. We had, you know, I had it delivered from Germany, which it was really, really good, you know. And uh, it was same as a Ringo's. So uh, oh, I wow. had that, that, the same spark, you know. The, the, it, so it was, they were starting to get equipment into Czech. Right, right. Okay. That was becoming, start being the marshals, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And, and the people, you know, just were, you know, going out and coming back, you know, because, you know... It was possible to go out and got back because, you know, they got your family that if you don't come back, the family hall goes to jail. What will happen to them, nobody would know. Well, what happened, what happened when you went to Copenhagen, your family? Well, that was the different story because my family said that they didn't know. Ah. You know, in this way, you know, when you were permitted to go to the West, for example, you know, you would have to sign a piece of paper, you know, that you will come back. Yeah, you right. Know, or the persecution of the you know, family will follow immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so uh, uh, right after, you know, the the playing around the Copenhagen with this burning Red Ivanhoe people, which, you know, we got pretty what good. What kind of music? Uh, it was kind of rock, but Scandinavian rock. <laughs> so... Uh, they play their own tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it, it was, you know, f you know, in those days, I was very much into, you know, uh, like, you know, Zeppelins, you know, and, you know, the, the Jetro tool. And, you know, I mean, you know, it, that was, that was, a, that was a lot of, in those days, it was a blind phase. Yeah. It was a Steven. There was a lot of choices on the music, yeah. you know, that, 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 you know, it was coming either from England and from States. From States, I love, you know, the Buffalo Springfield, you know, and then all the following birds and everything, you know, from the day one. And of course, the Leonard Skinner. That was the also fantastic story, man, that I seen the Leonard Skinner. First concert that I saw, it was a fishbone. Uh, it was the Indian band called Redbone. The Redbone. I saw them. Right. Redbone, not Fishbone. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a ska bone. Redbone. <laughs> that was the 1973 Indian yeah, guys. Man, yeah. I love them. I, I saw them in Tivoli, which is, you know, in Copenhagen yeah. place. 
I saw them in there and uh, I that was oh finally I see something you know from states direct (laughs) they wore Indian outfits and And then record with these guys what is that the red no we never hacked actually we did some radio show that probably it's laying somewhere in a station somewhere in Copenhagen and uh, after that uh, I've been introduced to this lead singer I don't really remember anymore her name she was like really big lady but she sung really really gospelish and with her I played a lot of blues dates kind of well, blues rock it was more not blues but blues rock it was like moving and she was really like you know for what she was how big she was she was moving like I was and singing fantastic it's and, still in Denmark <coughs> still Denmark <clears throat> She was Danish. And then, you know, I got introduced by her to these uh, black guys from South Africa, which their names were Dollar Brand. Oh, wow. The pianist and Johnny Diani, <coughs> the acoustic bass player. Yeah. And uh, they were looking for a drummer. Man. And uh, I said, well, I could do that. And uh, that's, so they was like, Bunch of bunch of drummers auditioning for, and I went in, and we started jamming like we did yesterday. And uh, after an hour, he said, "All right, you are in band." You got the gig. Because you know, I believe that you know that my heart was so beat, you know, uh, you know, beat up for the freedom, you know, that you know, same those guys from South Africa, they yeah. got the same feeling. So I guess you know, are you know, uh, be connected. So you start touring with them. So I start touring, and we went to Sweden. We did a bunch of Swedish due dates. You know, we went to you know Denmark. We went to Germany. We did like pretty good, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like I thought, I gotta go to America. <laughs> that's that's you know definitely that's the story that I have to do. So you know, I went, you know, got the papers, and went, uh, got me a little mini cooper car put the drums in it because i you know this is also you know before this and it's he's as crazy as i am sometimes i uh thought in that store you know when we finished when i started playing with the dollar brand i didn't have a drums again of course because they took it the red bones you know away the ludwigs so uh i went to the another store and uh I said, you know, what's cheapest, you know, drums possible, you know, so I was trying to figure out what I can do, and then I look, and, and in that corner, it's like this pink painted drum set, right? And uh, I go, what's that? And he goes like, oh, we throw him this out. So I'm going to it, and I see it's Gretsch. And it's old Gretsch, it must have been like 60, 69, maybe 70. Not more because, you know, this is 73 and it was looking old already. And I beat up pretty much. So anyway, they give it to me. And uh, I bought, you know, some symbols. I bought, you know, some hardware to it. And I worked on it. I sanded it, you know, the, the, the paint and all that. And I painted white. It will look good. And I actually was so happy on these drums that they sounded so great that I literally brought it with me to States. Wow. And when I was in airport in Kennedy at the cargo, because I ship it cargo, it cost me 500 bucks. Yeah. In those days, I mean, you talking, 
Everybody was crazy about, you know, like, you know, why did I brought these drums and all that? But soon as I stopped playing on them, everybody knew what did I did. That was a pearl. It was really a pearl. It was a fantastic, fantastic Hard to get drum sets around Manhattan, yeah. though. <laughs> and it's like, you, you know, well, it what actually... What you do? Use a cab? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> From Kennedy? Yeah, yeah. No, no. When you did gigs in Manhattan, I've always wondered about living there. Uh, I used, you know, a friends, you know, with the station wagons, oh, of yeah. course, and uh, then I used the cabbies, you know, the big New York. In those days, it was the square, the checker, the Chevy, the checker cabs. Yeah. yeah. So, how long did you live in New York? Uh, I was in New York for a, let's say, I started speaking English very good, actually. At the time that I told you, the first I got the TV set I bought me, and the, the whole cartoon of the Marlboro cigarettes, the whole tan pack, you know, and I thought, all oh, right, now finally. And those carton. days I was smoking, carton, yeah. And uh, uh, so uh, sitting, smoking cigarettes, watching the TV, the commercials actually, you know, I get me the way to, you know, how it's a vase, you know, done, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And make story short, you know, I did pretty good. And this deli that was on the corner that I used to go and shop as usual every day. Every day I come there, they made all kind of talks, you know. And, you know, like, they were Greeks, I believe. And they would make, you know, all these talks. But it was in English, it's, you know, with the coffee. He wants coffee. And, you know, and uh, uh, give him a bag of a schmear. <laughs> you know, you want tomato on it too? Or on a coffee? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, and in between he has these, you know, like, you know, uh, things, funny things, because he knew that I did not understand. And one point, you know, uh, I'm, I'm there after, you know, must have been like, what, three months, four months down the road. Uh... I'm going to a deli and I finally hear, oh yeah, the, that dude that doesn't understand, he's easy here again, you know, he's, you know give him the bagel, the, the, the schmear and, and, you know, and then the coffee and uh, watch out, he's going to be start talking. And uh, that's going to be stairs, a sad story. And, you know, I, I hear, in the, finally, you know, I got to hear, you know, 
what is actually, you know, going on? And I go like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Guys, huh? huh? I understand. I understand. And then, you know, the guy, you know, who was like, the voice goes like, lift the hand up and says, everybody, listen to me. He understood for a while. <laughs> We quit that shit, all right? <laughs> so no more, man. It was like, no more funny jokes and no more that, you know. Right, right. So, so you're uh, playing gig. What kind of gigs are you doing in Manhattan? In Manhattan, at the beginning, there was almost no gigs. But uh, it was really tough. The first my days, it, that, that, you know, basically I did more specified on learning English. And I went throughout, you know, the, 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 the clubs, the scenery, you know, the bottom line, and, you know, all the, everything, all the jazz clubs, all the rock clubs, you know, that, you know, in those days still was, you know, even Fillmore was working on, you know, and uh, so I seen, you know, all kind of events. It was, it was marvelous time. And I was, you know, I was more learning to watching the drummers and all that, and, you know, communicating with them, because everybody spoke English, I was wonderful, and I was like, you know, learning it more and more, and it was like, pretty good, so after the four months, then comes the phone call from my old roadie, who also escaped, his name is Ilya, and lives in Bolinas, and, all uh, right, yeah, and uh, he, called me from, from and, and that time he was living in Ross, because uh, he got married to the girl, Zmarin very, County. very rich girl, and uh, Ross, as Steve will tell you, it's uh, basically Beverly Hills of uh, Marine County, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, you got castles in there, yeah, and uh, believe it or not, funniest story, over? huh? Come on over to the West Coast? Yeah, well, he goes... Hey, man, what are you doing there? And I go like, man, I'm freezing my balls. You know, and, you know, it's it starts being warmish. And he goes like, man, you know, I'm just in a shorts and a T-shirt. And I go, man, I'm I'm coming. So, again, ticket. Bring the, the drums. Ticket, the drums. <laughs> no, I ship it by the truck in this time. Because the fries in States, you know, it was like a little bit different. You know, like, I mean... Uh, by you know, I said no cargos anymore. All right, the planes are out. You know, so let's let's get the trucking company and let's get that you know on the road. So it cost me about hundred bucks in those days. Yeah. So uh, it was pretty good. It came week later, but anyway, that week you know I had you know in San Francisco, uh, I came there you know and I lived in Roscott swimming pool. Jesus Christ! And believe it or not, my drums came in right. And then right across the, the the street, actually, it's like you know, if you know Ross, there's no really streets. When you when you go off the main street, those are like uh, willow trees and all the yeah. all the kinds. You go in like it's 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 like a jungle, you know, <laughs> the roads. But it's you know, it's it's really pretty. But across our jungle, across our street, the the the, the house was actually a band called Clover. Oh, yeah. oh, I know those guys. Who Huey become Lewis. the Huey Louie. You know, yeah, and yeah, they were looking... They recorded, I think, first Elvis Costello. Yes, they did. Yeah. So, they were looking for a drummer. So, uh, I was there. I was in Ross. And uh, the bass player, that was his house. And he goes like, well, we're rehearsing in uh, uh, Terralinda. 
But it was the rehearsals were, you know, he, he was like rehearsing later on and everybody else was rehearsing there. But, you know, I mean, all the I remember Jefferson's I, I, I rehearsed up there. Starship and uh, the Great Food. Everybody was rehearsing. Yeah. But it was, it was the bass player's house. It just became like a jam house. No, 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 no. This is like the studios, complex of the studios. Oh, oh. It's, a, it's a warehouse buildings yeah, that okay. they built into, you know, the sure, rooms. Sure. And, uh, you know, each got, you know, each band's got, and it was like, you go, there was a, a Jefferson Starship, there was a Grateful Dead, there was a, you know, uh, Clover in that time, and there was blah, blah, blah. It was like all the San Francisco bands. Wow, wow. You know, a Marine, actually, you know, every old Marine, can, you know, was there. So everybody, you know, from, you know, you, you meet, in, you know, I was like in heaven. So, you know, here I am, do the audition, did the audition, uh, did a bunch of gigs, you know, playing a little bit. And then all of a sudden I got a phone call from a friend of mine from Los Angeles that he's going down there to play with the bass player Pat O'Haran, which is the Zappa's yeah. bass player. And I heard that, I said, okay, I have to go. So I went down there, we played, and uh, he turned me on the... Uh, Mike Hoffman, who was the guitar player for the Lifetime, Tony Williams. Yeah. That wow. was him. Mikey Hoffman. I mean, insane guitar player. Insane. I mean, you know, literally. Great drummer, Tony Williams. <laughs> yeah, and it was the, you know, the, the best group. If you remember, he had a corded rocking, you know, it was fusion, but it was more rock. And he had that greatest album. That's that's Mike Hoffman's playing the guitar on it. And uh, Tony Williams' Lifetime or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he yeah. had different versions. Yeah, yeah. But this was the rock. There was really diffusion. Only four guys on it. Right, right. And it was really, really electric. You know, really electric guitar, electric bass, and all that. So Pat turned me on a bass player, on this guitar player, and this guitar player turned me on a bass player, which name is Doug Lon, which Doug Lon played. With pretty much everybody, with Milchel Leviev and uh, I mean, you know, a lot jazz scene. Yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, what is that guitar player? McLaughlin? No, 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 no McLaughlin. He was. Um, uh, b -b 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 he got shot. Oh. Larry Carlton. Yeah. Larry Carlton. So he was playing with him. He was playing with a lot of these people. He was playing also with Coriel, you know, and with 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 all these, you know, with all these people he played. And so we had with the Russian guy, lead singer. We put a band together quickly and quickly did the recording actually for almost no cost from this because you know of the. The Doc Lon, he knew some sure. studio in Hollywood. We went there, we cut a bunch of tracks, we put it around, people liked it. So we were just about to cut record when the lead singer decided that he's going to move to San Diego. <laughs> so, uh, uh, collapse <laughs> back in San Francisco, doing again nothing, right? And uh, thinking, well, what the hell am I gonna do? So, put the all different bands and played. Uh, there was a guy guitar player, Ivo, 
uh, Krizan that he had bunch of things, you know, and he played actually, you know, with bunch of people that were already involved <coughs> in uh, San Francisco scene. And uh, the, the other person who helped me a lot was uh, Miroslav Vitus, because he actually lived cool. there, and I, I put the... Uh, Actually, I called Jan Hammer, and he gave me a, a, a number. He played with John McLaughlin in Mahavishnu uh, Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. So Jan, actually, Jan, get, get the, the, give me the, the Miroslav's number. I called Miroslav. Miroslav was really happy to hear about me. You know, we got together. You know, I went. You know, to see this show. He was doing it. He's got this electric band, Miroslav Vito's band. And uh, this is after Weather Report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, he was doing it solo, and he was doing the double neck. Uh, he had the bass uh, and, and a six-string guitar. <coughs> and he had a lead singer that was his girlfriend of his. And uh, and some, you know, not sure, you know, don't remember that much because it was really weird. And But anyway, remember Miroslav's that uh, one morning, I was living in Oakland in that time, and uh, one morning, there's a banging on the door, and uh, there's uh, Miroslav standing there with a Jacob Pastorius album, solo, <coughs> the first solo album. And he goes, man, I have to wake you up. You've got to hear this dude. You won't believe he's the best. And he said, last track on the first side, you won't believe it sounds like a Fender Rhodes. What the hell? When he said that's harmonics, but it's so clear, it's like magic. This guy's an unbelievable. So anyway, I lived with that album actually since then. But anyway, Miroslav said, "Well, so what are your plans?" I said, "I don't know. I don't know anybody." And he goes, "Like, okay, well, let's make it like this." So he goes <coughs> on radio, put the ad. Oh, here is Miroslav Itos, and you know, I would like to tell you know, actually, no. He called the radio station and uh, the DJ said, well, we just had a phone call from Miroslav Vitus that we had here in Bay, I just arrived, his friend, and he's a Czech drummer that plays with, also, you know, played with all these guys, and then he named all what, you know, and uh, he's looking for the people to play. And I all of a sudden start getting, you know, these phone calls and get it, you know, the gigs, you know, playing, you know, uh, you know, jazz kind of thing, play kind of blues thing, you know, play rock, you know, with different groups, you know, and doing it. So Vitas helped. Uh, he really helped me to get help. established myself. Then later on, when I went to Los Angeles, I had, you know, uh, started in, you know, a band already there. Which was uh, called Invisible, Invisible Pedestrian. Well, what a name! I mean, you know, <laughs> you're talking end of seventies, beginning eighties. You know, I mean, Invisible Pedestrian. All oh, right, what a name! Uh, here we are. You know, so we got actually pretty good. You know, and you know, we decide that we're just gonna get a van and just gonna go across the country and, and play whatever we can. So we actually. What year is this we're talking? This we talk in 1979. Yes. 1979. 
And I arrived in 1979, I arrived in New York City at the fall. The band broke up, of course, as usual. One tour? Yeah, yeah, that was enough. They, uh, and also, you know, that some of the guys was from Los Angeles. So, you know, they, you know, they playing, you know, the, the, Still the red eye. Your, and your first U.S. tour, though. Yeah, it was. That was the first, actually. And, you know, I actually seen the country first time. Yeah. In my, you know, and it, it was uh, unbelievable because I went to Grand Canyon and all that. And it was really marvelous. And uh, uh, after that, when I was in New York City, I said, well, you know, I'm going to find me a players to go another invisible pedestrian. Continue. And... Uh, <laughs> Was that your name? Yes. <laughs> I lived with that name. Boy, man, you know. And everybody loved it. And everybody was like, yeah, man, that's a great name. That will sell. It never sells. <laughs> it was like, you know, right I wish you'd call us a Dambos, man. Or right like, at the end of the second hour. Now. So, yeah. on. Uh, it's the September 19th, 2008 edition of Watt from Pedro's show. End of the second hour. Hold tight for hour three. September 19th, 2008, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
Watch from Pedro Show. Uh, third hour now. With Yarda talking about old music days. But we played some music here. We started off with uh, John by Estelle, Steve McKay, and myself. It's something we did last summer. Maybe uh, a year ago this month. Huh? And uh, yeah. above a horse stable there, we uh, had some time before the flight to the next gig, so we went with these uh, cats. Uh, really nice people, and, and jammed up some songs, and that was John. It just came out, in fact. I got an uh, email from Bushy. Oh, great. And then we heard something that Yardy here played on. It. Now, this recording was from 1968, but in 2005, he put on the drums. And right. It was a band called Actual, and that song was called I Love You and Lennon. I Love You and, and Lennon. Lennon. Yeah. Yeah, both of you. But, but, <laughs> but check it's... Milu Tebe Alenina. Yeah. Now, what, what's the story behind this actual band? <coughs> uh, the story, it was the most, you know, actually, that, that actually was an actual. <laughs> uh, these guys plays only here and there. And when they play, it was completely outrage for the government. Ah. Total outrage. <coughs> I mean, they didn't have much of the gigs. <laughs> Put okay. it this way. Really not much at all. Because uh, they couldn't, you know, when somebody wasn't in jail, <coughs> then, you know, they couldn't play. Then when they went together, they couldn't play because the government will tell them, if you play, then we put you to jail again. <coughs> So they were in between that and that, right, right. you know. So they basically, you know, were existing for some short period of a time, and then they were, you know, then they went into different bands, right? You know, and uh, try to live. This song was from '68, right? But uh, you got involved to play the drums. Now you had to put drums on this with no click track, or nothing. I mean, I came to the studio, you know, and he said, "All right, you know, we're gonna play you, you know, like." There is like 15 songs on it or something right. like that. We're going to be play you that. And uh, the first song, it was, it's it's really straight beat, you know. And the guy is actually on it. You know, he's, you know, he's got little, you know, s- slowing in and speeding in, you know, sing. And uh, I said, you know, I said, if I wiped all the tracks, I wouldn't have the probably the, the way to do it. So I kept the first one, the straight one. Right. And when I run into some difficulties with the changes of the rhythms, I always, you know, notice what breaks he was doing. So he either sped up or slowed down <coughs> when he came out of it. Right, right. So <coughs> I let the first one done like that. And always when I wanted to know how it's, what I'm doing wrong, that, you know, sometime, you know, the recording, you know, you went a little faster, a little slower because the tempo, it went slower so, you know, you have to go slower with it, but you can go slower after. You have to go at the same time. Yeah, you know yeah, very, I mean? tricky. We'll, we'll, very tricky. We'll play some more of that. Then we heard uh, About Them by The Ribbons, and then um, I was telling you about this guy, Koya, and his band, uh, right, right, Disciplina yeah. Kitschma, a Serb band from Belgrade, and Kovic Koji Ne Nosi Sat mm-hmm. is uh, their tune, and I... You know, I gotta tell you, I'm a little interested in bass players sometimes, and have a bias. And this guy is a wild player, He's, right on. Uh, and he has a huge history going back to their scene from the uh, 
late 70s through the 80s, 90s, and now he's still playing. It's a great thing, and I had a great talk with him. I wish we could have stayed. The night we played was Stooges and Dinosaur, but he played the next night with, I think, Lemonheads. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There was this gig downtown Belgrade at a thing built, built in the 50s for outdoor basketball. It's actually in a really neat kind of venue because, uh, I don't know, it kind of had a Greek look. Right. Because something about communist cement, it don't yeah, 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 last yeah. long. <laughs> so even though it's like 50 years old, this stuff was beat up. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, you know, they, you build the things that look awfully <laughs> terrible. In fact, the Greek stuff is in better shape after yeah, like 2,500 years. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, it was outside. The weather was great and uh, good sound system. and yeah, Even a big screen behind us and... Uh, Iggy was, man, Iggy's like, this is our kind of town. He was lit for the gig. Well, he is for every gig. You're going to see tonight. Yeah. Uh, This is the first time Stooges, well, I've played uh, Czech Republic, Prague. Hmm. You know, what's this venue? A sports hall? This the is this the the ice hockey rink. It's It's a sports hall. So probably not the best. uh, No, no, no. It is good. It really? is good. Yeah, yeah. This, most high school hockey be, arenas. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be surprised because they have it some kind of way. Figure it out. The sound, it doesn't bounce. The sound, you know. I saw it, uh, Gypsy Kings. Yeah, and, and it was the, one of the most beautiful concert. And acoustically, it was uh, the equipment they're gonna provide you with is the state of art. Oh, great! You'll have, you'll see on a sound check how it is run. It really is run by the people that really know what they're doing. Oh, it's really great. good. So we got Those things are really changed in here. Um, back to the Yarda's story, Yarda's music right story. On. Now we're in New York with the invisible. Invisible, pedestrian. Pedestrian. yeah, and here I am again. Uh, I'm trying to again go with invisible pedestrian, of course, <laughs> and uh, uh, thinking, well, I should, you know, find a musician. So you know, I'm hunting, right? So I'm going to the clubs and and going and. Uh, uh, for some reason, you know, I told you that I went through the, you know, I was in California, I went through the, the meeting, Indian meeting, I don't want to, uh, and, yeah, power actually, and, uh, met me sitting on my shoulder, <laughs> talking to me, hey, you stupid, <laughs> how are you doing? And it was funny because he was talking English. So in that time, yeah, actually, I learned that I was start dreaming in English, oh. and and it was already a new thing to me, you know. And so I named, you know, but the invisible pedestrian was coming from that, and I still kept the memory of the the, right. the sitting dude. So you Did know, you I get saw, any uh, help from Mister Peyote? Uh, no, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that, that has been known to happen. It, it's it's been known to happen. Yeah. So you're you're in New York with the. I'm in New York hunting for a musician with right. with my sort to of to reform you know, the band because the 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 tour killed the last. Right. Person. Yeah. The the tour killed the first invisibles that become real pedestrians. So I was walking on the street, and uh, believe it or not, I run into the such a great musicians like just on the street. All of a sudden, I'm. At that time, I was living somewhere on the 78th Street or something like that, and on the east side, between the Madison and Fifth Avenue. And uh, 
right next to the actually the museum. Right, right. And uh, the you know one day I'm going to the meeting to promote some of the recordings that we had from California days of Invisible Pedestrian, right? And also you know bringing it the stuff you know that I do with Mike Hoffman and with this guy that I told you that you know the first you know band that I was in LA. So uh, we. I actually had the meeting scheduled, so I was going down to Warner Brothers. And uh, all of a sudden, when I went to Fifth Avenue, I hear this humming, beautiful sound that surround my ears and it made me absolutely comfortable and happy. So instead of direct my ass down left to the Fifth Avenue downtown, I went of the sound which was a right on the side of the museum where you got the fountains, right? So there is that little tiny girl playing the biggest marimba. Oh, wow. And she played the overtone. It was, man, I forgot completely. Meanwhile, two hours later, I'm still sitting there. This girl, and she plays comes to me and goes like, I've been, you know, it's like, you don't have to always give me a quarter, please. I mean, I know you're a musician, you know, you you look like one, so don't. Now here, take this, you know. (laughs) And so we started talking, I said, man, how did you get this thing in here? And she goes like, well, you know, I have, you know, you can, you know, this man lit and assembled together and comes right. to the parts and I put it, I have this, you know, Chevy Vega and it fits through my back, you know, like put it in there and, you know, so when they, you know, wait till she was back and helped her to, to you know, load the car, get the phone number from her and uh, was thinking that can I have to get the marimba in a band, right? So I had the first boy, maybe a member then I had in New York City I uh, had actually put it this way after when I had Valerie I had first member but for some time I run into the group of people included Lonnie Hillier uh, the famous trumpet player's yeah, yeah. son his son is Lonnie Hillier too uh, he was a bass player and he was a guitar player and there was a girl, a singer she was a, she was a Tescarero Indian uh, Buta Fe and well, that time she was Tony going under name Tony uh, so you know her, you know I got singing and then I get this Four piece, actually three piece, by uh, bass, no, four piece, bass, guitar, neon drums, and Papito Perez, who was a conga player from Puerto Rico, living with his rooster in the projects on the 8th Avenue around the Columbus Circle, behind the Columbus Circle. And uh, he, that was the greatest thing I went. So anyway, I played with these people. Is it and called we did, Invisible Pedestrian? This still called... No, no, no. No. This name of the band was the ETC. 
etc. And uh, we did, I didn't, because in that time was a band in Czech, all of a sudden, ETC, so I thought, no, 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 they would think that I stole the name from, so I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. So we called ourselves an ambush. Ambush. <laughs> I thought, well, yeah, well, well, sort of a guerrilla warfare, okay, I call them ambush. So we call ambush, we did a bunch of gigs, and also the most important things at that time was a, a teleprompter. It was the cable company in Manhattan that was running actually uh, the cable shows, you know, from that actually came the MTV and all kinds <coughs> of things, and they, the teleprompters had a show at midnight run every Saturday, it was the new bands. And we had, because, you know, I met uh, through uh, the Lonnie Hillier, who was a bass player, and he was, you know, he was a, actually, because of his father, he was many times, all the times, basically, at the Miles's house. So... Uh, Miles <coughs> Davis. Yes. So he was... Getting different, you know, different, you know, people and all, you know, like uh, I run into the Moogie Klingman. If you remember the Moogie Klingman, the famous. So he had the old hit factory. Where is the hit factory? He had that, but only the top floor. But actually that room stayed the same. And uh, it was in, in the process that he was making the studio out of it. So in sort of some kind of equipment, 24 truck studer plus some three boards, we put together, he assembled together the recording facility that we record live, about seven songs. And we filmed it at the same time we done it by the teleprompter. So it went on the Saturday on the television and Alice was recording in media sound on the near the Central Park was the studio media sound, which it was actually old church. It was uh, it was it used to be because they 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 still had the park, you know, the 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 the, the sitting the benches, pews. And, yeah, the pews, and uh, it was beautiful place. But anyway. Alice is there recording and uh, with Dick Wagner and Prakash John and with, you yeah. know, whatever, you know. And uh, I think it was his... That comes to the 88 time, 89. And we are in New York and we had another tour in front of us. We said, okay, we do it. So we went across the States again. It was a faster. It only took... I believe it was like six months we did and we landed again in Los Angeles and uh, so we got there that we shopped for a real real record company we got Atlantic Records to interest in we got really good lawyers I have to admit that I had pretty good connections from you know a people like Miroslav and, and Jan, you know, so he gave me, you know, names and those names, you know, opened the doors to another names and I went through, you know, like, then I went, you know, met Tom Patty, you know, and, you know, I got into more people 
and I met Pygmy Love Circus and you know <laughs> all of it Savage and you know uh, Shepard and everybody and Danny playing those days which is now he's in Tool right oh he's you know that he did the tour with the Pygmies no I didn't know yeah I just was talking uh, to somebody a roadie he's living actually in Prague and he knows them very well Tony, I think his name. And he does, he did the Pygmy Love Circus <coughs> from the beginning. And he said, Danny's doing the tour. Wow. That was uh, last year, last year. So, anyway, we had pretty interest. Now, we rehearse in the studios in Hollywood, La Cienega Studios, that was on La Cienega, down below the sunset. West Hollywood. Yeah, no, no, no. It was Hollywood. It was, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Just, just low, you know, like. So anyway, we were housing in this facility, getting organized, getting for the big day. Finally, the label said, "Yeah, okay. Give you the money. Go to Paramount Studio, cut four songs. So we cut four songs with with Dick Wagner." doing the engineering, doing the producing. You give it to them, they liked it. So, he said, all right, let's have a, we come into the rehearsal, and we're going to bring the contract. We're going to get little celebration in there. So, they cater, did the catering. <laughs> and me and lead singers... It's there. We had five o'clock to start. Now the record company, of course, comes quarter past five. You know, like little, little after, of course. And uh, supposedly we were ready to play. There's no bass player. There's no guitar player. Hour pass. I'm trying to smooth the corners. You know what I mean? I'm going like. Let's get some booze, come on, you know, or, or, you know, so we tried all the, you know, people looking, oh, what's, what's, where is the band's gonna play, or, you know, where's the rest of it, and I go, yeah, well, they traffic, you know, I mean, that, you know, that's Fuck. terrible, terrible, and uh, he lived in North Hollywood in that time, so it's the other side of the valley, yeah, valley. and uh, so, you know, I, I tried, you know, I tried, I lied. Oh, God, man, I tried through everything to have them stay. Meanwhile, through doing this, bring the phone at the desk, you know, at the studio. Uh, guy goes, hey, Yarda, you got, the, you got the call. So I'm going, hello, there's a guitar player. I go, man. Where are you? The whole company is here standing. And he goes like, well, we didn't want to with Racine tell you that, but, uh, you know, uh, our girlfriends are was leaving us, so I'm actually calling you from New York because we took the flight at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Bam. Baboom. <laughs> Everything is yeah. in a blueberry hill, you know, in that point. So uh, I'm going like, oh, well, you know, let's set another day, you know, all right? And uh, so everybody leaves, man, you know. Go home and go like, what am I going to do? 
Meanwhile, there is a fear playing. Yeah. So, one of the concerts that we played before this happened, I think a week before there, we played, you know, in some kind of lounge. On It, it was a club on Sunset, Sunset Boulevard, Paradise Lounge, uh, or, or something like that. Yeah, something. It, it was a pretty big rock club anyway. Okay. So we played there and we opened for Fear. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I just played with Lee. And uh, we just finished and uh, there comes Durf, Fred. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there comes Durf yeah. and it goes, Hey man, would you like to be in my band, Scratch? Yeah, right. And I go, yeah, sure. So I recorded with Scratch. Actually, you know, it it I should have bring I I have I, actually I have only vinyl. But uh, it was released. It was released on uh, not sure anymore what label it is. So uh you playing with them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on it. But you get back to San Francisco. Yeah, well that's this so I'm playing with Scratch. Right. Right? Till the moment that turf it's uh, Cosa Nostra. <laughs> uh, I would say so. Uh, is ballooning. Not much gigs going on yet. If there's a gig, then there's a, always a, a big, big, big rodeo, you know. And uh, club owners start being like really pissy about the thing, you know. So, anyway, it comes to the point that. Uh, somewhere around the neighborhood of 1990, we finished, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> I thought, what am I going to do? Then this guy comes and I go, hey, look, uh, I got these great musicians in California, in San Francisco. Oh, actually, I was in California, in LA. I, in, I've been in San Francisco. Uh, let's go there. He had a van, I put my drums in it, we put the equipment, and I just left myself LA, went to San Francisco. Went to San Francisco. Uh, they were in uh, Santa Rosa living, up above the San Francisco. So uh, there was a rehearsal place there too, you know, it was nice people. Uh, the guy who I was playing with, his name was Bobby Guitar Lindstrom. That was his name going on. Pretty good guitar player, pretty good singer. We got a great bass player who's uh, been doing, working, you know, with Vince Valnick in those days. And I have guests. Vince now is already gone. Yeah. But uh, he was very big guest with us. You know, he said in, you know, many, many times, you know, did even recording and Stu Blank. Oh yeah, the Stu Blank. I have a recording with old Stu Blank. God, what an organ player that yeah. was! So, uh, uh, we were just playing like this, you know, for it for being in there, and then I playing a gig with Michael Mann. Uh, he was the big, big guy. You remember him, Michael? Uh, and uh, Mickey, Mickey, there was a two English guy. Michael was the big guy, and he was actually from the, what what band was that? English band, very famous band. 
anyway, so you know, that, that we are, my remembrance, it's actually after yesterday, it's not that happening. The names, it's sort of, you know, in a backfire. Okay. <laughs> so, somehow you get playing with Dell. Well, no, coming to it. Okay. Michael is here. <laughs> <laughs> we playing in that gig and he goes like I know he's got this dude keyboard player come on and play with us one gig so I'm playing with this guy keyboard player who goes like where are you living I live in Santa Rosa I go and he goes like you can't live in Santa Rosa come on you're gonna go and live in San Francisco so I start living in all famous orange house that actually through the orange house went all the musicians there were bouncing souls there were Actually, you know, they were coming the kids, <coughs> they were living, they were living uh, uh, actually before he got Chris Cornell, when, before he got famous. They were all Seattle bands were like coming in and sleep, play, and you know, from wherever, from Texas, you know, the written picks from, from you know, Waco. Yeah. It was it was really good. I mean, and the Carlos Guitarlos. Yeah. Yeah, he's friend of mine. And uh, so you know, uh, in that house, yeah. I basically you know get together a band that will call it Orange Orange. We called ourselves, and I had a bass player, first member of the Life After Life, first member, and. Uh, on that, you know, was still Orange Orange. We got a guitar player, David, which is, uh, he is Dave Perkins. He's fantastic. He did the record now with Tom Waits. But he's got the funky band called Steve Dad Cat, <laughs> which actually was assembled after the Life After Life. We got so drunk in some parts that we couldn't play anything than bluegrass. <laughs> and we played it so good. We played real good. So uh, <clears throat> there was two beginning members of the Life After Life. Then I got the accordion guy, which in New York City a long time ago, a guy told me, you're going to play and make a greatest band of them all with this accordion player. And I said, I hate accordion. <laughs> I never play with accordion. Now, anyway... Come San Francisco, I'm sitting in uh, 20 Tanks, which it was a brewery right across from the Slims. Yeah. I'm sitting right there drinking a beer, and uh, there's a guy across the room, the big room, uh, sitting by the window and looking at me. I'm looking at him. And in New York, all of a sudden, I remember the guy that told me that I'm going to meet somebody. That guy, all of a sudden, stand up, come into my table and said, you are Erno, right? I said, yeah, I'm Erno. And he goes like, well, my name is Jim Chert. And I go, oh, this is the guy that you were playing accordion. And he goes, yeah. I said, ah, oh, where are you playing? And he goes, I play in a bar bar. That was a place, you know, on uh, uh, Valencia. And uh, so, you know, I went there, small little pop. And he played by himself. God, when I heard that stuff, he is amazing. He is such a player that it's incredible. So I thought, dude, do you want to get a band around you? And he said, well, I will try. I said, okay, let's have a rehearsal and let's do that. So I got a guitar player, bass player. The keyboard player 
who got the I got living who has the orange house that I played with Michael that I got into I asked him to join the band he never played in any rock and roll bands he only played blues that's Andy Andy Pollock oh yeah yeah so Andy become a keyboard player and uh, we went to the rehearsal we did with the accordion we clicked I mean instant click and I have in that time I have a two mics really good uh, EV 50s you know one of those really great mics and I get a dat machine I have a board and I made a recording demo with 10 songs on it in our rehearsal room and I did that and I went to Cam, uh, what was that place? Chameleon. Chameleon on the, also in Valencia. That was another club. Chameleon, and, right. Yeah. So I went there, and Biafra was supposed to be there, looking for a band signed out, some guys that he was, he seen them in Gilman, and he liked them, and they played the Chameleon, so, yeah, all right. So when I heard that, I saw my time. So I took the cassette, went there, and uh, he was talking on the bar with somebody, and uh, I literally <laughs> moved myself, you know, muscle myself onto it, and you know, go like, hello, my name is Yarda, and uh, he was like, yes, Joe, and uh, I said, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I said, do you got to sign this band? for alternative technicals because I'm telling you I said who are you telling me what I'm gonna sign I'm don't you see I'm talking right here you know it's like you know come on and I go like I, I'm telling you your big mistake this is it so uh, anyway I literally gave him the cassette because I know that he doesn't like the CDs and he doesn't like the decks. He only liked the cassettes or the vinyl. That's it. So in those days, so I got it on the cassette, gave it to him. He looked at it. Anyway, put it in a pocket. Few days passed. It's calling me a friend of my friend of mine, Chris McKay. Uh, which place with um, Bent uh, uh, Helios Creed. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Helios. So the Helio, actually, very good friend of mine. Yeah, good cat. So I uh, with him. He's, he, they playing in Europe and they in Prague. This is, we talking 1995. Right, 95. And uh, we are. He, they, they go, we're in Prague, we met some friend of yours, and yeah, and I go, Chris, yeah, that's fantastic, and you know, I met this guy, used to smoke a weed, and uh, so I all blah, blah, over the phone, but yeah, he goes like, you know, I'm calling, we had a gig at the Paradise Lounge, and uh, we're going to be playing there, and uh, we want you for the opening back, so I said, okay. So we go and, you know, right across from Swim Swim, yeah, Paradise Lot. Yeah. So, yeah, we play there. So we open it for them. And uh, 
Man, we are stuck in the lounge because the helio put everything on a big stage no, and said, nah, you'll have a lot of stuff. And said, nothing's going to be moved. You guys are in a lounge. So we are in a lounge. Again comes Piafra. They break his knee yeah. at Gilman because they 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 Sweet saw hands. that yeah they saw that he was that was about those days with the Levi's shit that was going on the commercials and they saw that, that he did sign that so uh, it was like you know really outrage anyway so this happened he comes with the on crutches you know sit down man and then he here we are all band here's Jello man. Something must have happened. He listened to ourselves. Right? He did listen to ourselves. He came in. Absolutely enjoyed the show. I only remember the owner of a Paradise Lounge running around with the meter. We created 125 decibels in the lounge. Yeah. I mean, we were so loud. And he loved it. We we were absolutely marvelous. Oh yeah, we add to that JT from Written Picks. <coughs> JT, John Terry, uh, he called himself a schmecky, schmecky lave. <laughs> oh God. So anyway, so we had that guy. So we are actually six-piece band and we create such a noise and the songs... It was, he was moving. We finished the playing and Jello goes, okay guys, nothing to be talking about. We cut in the record for the alternative technicals and we're going to sign the contract. We're going to make them. We're going to sign them. All right, that's it. <laughs> wow. And we went, cut the record. Record went out. You know, we went on a road. We were really big and you know, it's like, it was uh, actually, it's still... The one of the favorite bands of Joe. It was the times that from '95 to '97, wherever he were talking about anything, you were live after live. That's the band you gotta hear. That he was like Matt Kelts marching across the. Did America. you meet Steve around this time? No, it was later, a little later. Oh. I'm coming to that's. Uh, There's five minutes left in the show. Is there five minutes left? Okay, make it story really quick now. I'm proceeding. Uh, moms of a lead singer, the, the accordion guy got sick. He has to go back to Prague. He went to the Prague. Band basically broke up. We did the record without him, with Jello, for the Twisted Willie, uh, which is the Willie Nelson album, which we did it, you know, with Jello. He's still, still moving to me song. And uh, there's a bunch of other people, Highwaymen and, and everything. I had chance to meet, you know, all these beautiful people. But anyway... There was a reality. We tried to get another man to uh, replace the accordion guy. Didn't happen. So we took a trip to Prague. Played in Prague for uh, six months in around Europe. Went back to America and said, okay, fuck this. We're not going to do that. We're going to get another singer. We're going to try it again. Then we got the Steve Dead Cat and all that. Everything with Joe. We were... Going to work on another album, he was really mad at Jim, you know, that he left and he, you know, some of, it's, it, it was really bad story. But anyway, we still, you know, like, you know, a selling like crazy after 11 years, the life after life. And we still have a, it's, you know, on Apple, 
uh, pages when you got it you will find that you know I just read the last year we got five stars out of five possible stars <laughs> I couldn't believe it for 11 years non-stop it didn't stop yeah. and you know that's I think you know that's pretty good for the album like that so uh, I went back and uh, I actually no when I met Camille because Camille used to come in you know days on a hate street when I was living he used to come over there and we were jamming together we got you know the things going together we got, got recording some together we went to Joshua Tree that he had the tra you know trailer house yeah. so we did that and with the people from the the Earthlings uh, and they actually are the queens of the Stone Age yeah, right. right so those guys Gosh. yeah so with these guys we were living actually you know uh, they let us record it in their studio in there and we did that the recording as you remember only the drums and bass with Camille's girlfriend playing the guitar right and then you know uh, many 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 people who comes from you know either from you know the queens or you know from anybody <coughs> masters of reality you know it, it's like everybody who was there who came in the house it just did some banging or did something on the recording and we actually used some of it, you know, uh, Camille fixed it up together and we start playing around and then I run into the Steven. Yeah. And one of the days, you know, we played together, we did the show. Well, you have to live by him. Hmm? You have to live by him? Yeah. We didn't know each other then, but he'd been living by me for quite some time. But we didn't, absolutely. All of a sudden, he then says, it comes me, like, yes. He's up in my house. It's the orange house, isn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, we've seen each other because, you know, later on, you know, I know the I knew the face, you know, and everything. And I was like, God, it's living right there where we were living. So uh, uh, we started playing the gigs. Uh, we did, you know, the radio. We did, you know, uh, other stuffs. And... Uh, uh, then we got, you know, Camille again traveling, you know, down the Joshua Tree and I didn't want it to do it, you know, so uh, I went basically to New York City, played there for a little while and then I decided, he told me that I could put this band together with like famous people in this, in, in Prague, so I went to Prague. You went back home. And went back home. After all these years. After all these years and here I am. <coughs> but I'll go... You know, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, you know, tell you the truth, you know, the way it, things goes, and, you know, it's, it could be all right, because I like, you know, with Julie, I have, you know, that thing that you were yesterday, yeah. you mentioned, you know, so things, you know, I have actually now, I will let her sing too, and I will, you know, again, get and gather some more, more musicians, and I have some help coming from, from States. I have some of the life after life people would like to play with me, and I already have them last year few, and uh, it's, they start liking it, and they coming back and they stay in it because it's great living, you know. I mean, you got you got pretty good, you know, about yeah. the scenery. It's more mm, yeah, it rather not talk about. Yeah, if somebody was to ask you for advice about music, what would you tell them? 
uh, I'll follow your heart. That's what I would say. Don't mess around with any offers that will only just clock hamburgers in your mouth for some period of a time and then zilch. And even furthermore, those that they really like you would not really much like you anymore because yeah, you're just cheapo, you know? Like, you know, that's why I'm really so much like dudes like Jello that sticks to the real thing or, you know, you guys. You know what I mean? It's, I think just follow your heart. Don't make wide business. I mean, what's the business nowadays? Record companies, they don't even sell anymore anything. You can download it anything you want. So why do you need a record company? Make your own. Yeah. <laughs> it's this, this is the 21st century. For God's sake, we're living in a life of possibility. It's a garage time. Yeah. Any band can create their own show. You know, it's like, it's Wayne's World, Wayne's World. Put it on the net, man. You got some people watching it. And if you're good, you bet. You're going to get it. And if you put some recording down, people download it, you'll be on. Oh, great. I want to thank you for being on the show. Very interesting journey well, through the music world. And thank you for sharing it with all of us. Thank you, Mike. And the greatest luck. All right. Brother. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> all right, Steve. Steve. Thank you for thank you. coming aboard. All right, man. This has been the uh, September 19th, 2008 Watt from Pedro show. And to everybody, hello, hello, and I, I, and I'll be back in stage, <laughs> definitely doing yeah. some again, some things. Uh, keep your powder dry.